0: Robinson show. Stopper! Welcome, my friends, to a show that seemingly apparently never ends. This is version 41 41 41. And this is the first edition of the vendetta edition you've heard them in dribbles and drabs, But now, the Uber view. And I don't mean that car that comes to picks you up when you get too drunk. I'm talking about the master view. The overview of how we got to where we are and the proper application of Vendetta. And then maybe later on, after the question and answer, we'll get to a little MMA. If you don't dig there, Vendetta Chatter, Chitter Chatter, the Reebok, out, 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 out. Right after Bob Riley, singer the Stigmata, off of the record, Calling of the Just. Song is called Intro All of Nothing, still available. Actual artifact from Revelation Records in Huntington Beach, California gonna hit the car with a hammer I'm taking a real good look at you real good look at your face so be a payback and for always nothing all right all right ladies and James let's get the headset on and uh,
1: uh and and start the show and i and i have to give you a little because you know i've told some of these stories to the people at jujitsu and they start doing the eye rolling you know the, the veil of laughter you know slips down let's get this out of the way is it coming through yeah there we go i think that's it uh, it's coming through the headset. You know, there's a veil of laughter that they use to diminish any true prophet in his time. And there's like, oh, or to quote uh, uh, David Yao from Jesus Lizard, post a conversation he was having with me backstage, looking deeply and soulfully in my eye, into my eyes. What's the matter with you, black people? But the reality of it is this, this vendetta, this urge. Or as an ex once said to me, you don't seem like the most forgiving man. Forgiving has nothing to do with it. It has nothing to do with it. So let me lay it out for you briefly and as quickly as I can, because there are going to be three versions of the vendetta of it. So let's give this one will be the overview. We'll have the question and answer thing and then the fight stuff. Also, patreon.com slash the stomper. The Stomper. You can watch this for free, as you're doing right now. You can donate a dollar, fifty cents, whatever a month for the to, for the livelihood of the show. People go, you're gonna do the show forever, Eugene. I go, as long as there's somebody willing to give a nickel, I'll keep doing the show. But it, that means really in aggregate, nickels in aggregate. <laughs> if only one person is giving one nickel, hey, that's sh- this show is done, baby. <laughs> so uh, if after the holidays, if you got a little uh, if you got a little Ching Chang sitting around, a little Simo- some some you know, send them my way. Anyway, let's start. So, the one of the first distinct, uh, and first of all, first of all, let's go back. Let's go back to the start. And I'm going to give you a genetic basis. I've talked about this in articles before. It's not amazingly surprising or shocking or new if you've been paying attention. Uh, I'm going to go to it in brief because I imagine this is probably stuff that'll be better suited in a memoir. Short short story long, long story short, my grandmother uh was kidnapped uh by uh, her father's her father's mistress. Okay? So the father's mistress uh kidnapped here I mean I'll tell you what she said when I asked her to confirm this story. Uh Ends up in Chicago, says, if you ever want to see your daughter again, you come leave your wife. You come join me here. Well, this would be my great grandfather on my paternal side. I I, I guess he not having an instinct for revenge like I have. uh, He said, "Okay." left his wife and met up with a kidnapper. Okay, and uh, the largely the daughter at this point was treated like uh, Cinderella until such time as the evil stepmother could actually give her away to a, a childless white couple who presumably needed an uh, in-house servant, fell in love with my grandmother, raised her as their own daughter, solely responsible for her education. She was really super well-educated, ended up working, I think, at the Pentagon for her entire career. It was government work, military of some kind. And, uh, uh, and she was happy as could be. At the age of thirteen, her evil stepmother had decided to start a halfway house—a halfway house for um, for people transitioning from prison back to real life—and naturally, what she needed was free labor. So at this point, she shows up like Lazy Maisie from the Doctor Zoo story. Uh, uh, Horton, here's a who, and demands for the return of her daughter. So you know, thus ends the happiest period of my grandmother's life. And then she is turned back into a slave at her evil stepmother's halfway house, where uh, during one of her rounds of cleaning, which is what she had to do, she was, in his eyes, seduced by, uh, in her eyes, she described it, she goes, today, they would call it rape. Um, and this was, my, this was my grandfather. My grandfather was a, a career criminal. Uh, like a, but not, not like disorganized crime, like organized crime, <laughs> like, like extortion numbers running, <laughs> you know, grand theft, auto gambling, prostitution, all what, all of that. He, he looked like a Noel coward. If you must know, you would never see him and think that we were related. He's a smaller man. Uh, uh, you know, I guess maybe the mustache is, 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 is similar. So at the age of 13, she ends up she ends up pregnant with with uh with my father. And then the story gets more complicated. When I asked her about it, she said to me very diplomatically, she was the only mother I ever remember. Which is not a firm denial. Her, she was sharp as a tack until the end. I think she died at like eighty-eight. Was jogging the whole bit. So genetically you know the nazis of course believed that i mean the nazis were the first one to kind of weaponize science where they believe that these are there's not a lot of it's not so much nature in this in any of these instances is nurture but let, let's let uh, I mean, the other way around it's not so much nurture but it's nature so this is in my blood but one of my earliest memories is of ha- fully formed in my head and i was under the age of five i noticed because my parents got divorced at the age of five so i kind of remember that as a marker And I remember, so let's say three or four. I remember having this idea. I said, if anybody does anything bad to me when I'm little, when I get big, I'll get them. I may have even said this at the dinner table. And much like the people at jujitsu who look at me and shake their head kind of like, David Yao, what's wrong with you? I think my parents and my mother and my stepfather probably did largely the same thing. What? What kind of talk is that out of a three-year-old? You're going to get them. What the... You think it's some kind of Clint Eastwood movie? And naturally, you know, we talk about Lieutenant David Grossman in his book On Killing talks about operant conditioning. Sorry, I have to pick this nostril. Talks about operant conditioning. You know, I naturally found myself a a kind of uh, taken with with movies that repeated a storyline that fundamentally framed how I, I viewed life. Now, as I got older, People like thinking a lot of fighters, Yeah, you, first of all, you ever notice how uh, in general, and this is this is gonna sound a little weird. Have you ever noticed how in general, a vast majority of fighters are attractive people? You have some real standouts like Juban. And look, if you feel uncomfortable talking about another man being attractive, that's you. You gotta deal with that. But I think I can objectively say that, there's whatever that guy, I can't even remember his name right now, Juban. Guy's a handsome guy. For those of you who are not here for the fighting, he's a fighter, as kind of male model looks to him. But a lot of fighters are like that. A lot of fighters are like that. You ever wonder why? You think it's just even distribution? You know, you could go to Home Depot right now or CVS right now or your local Safeway supermarket, and you're not going to get that kind of random – your distribution won't get – my theory, is that when you are a comely of countenance, that you attract a certain type of energy. And how you deal with that energy frames the later choices you make. That's, in my case, the game. I was a, a, a comely young lad, handsome of visage. And this attracted negative attention. Was I bullied? Everybody, though fighters were bullied. Yeah, you know, this is like the condom story. Like, guys go, well, I don't like condoms because it ruins the sensation. I don't know. Ah, we all know that's not the real reason. Guys are not liking, liking condoms because of FFF. No, what is it? Uh, FFJ, first time fuck jitters. It's like, I got enough. Like, I don't want her husband's going to be kicking in the door. You know, I don't want the ki- her kids to get home too soon. The neighbors, where did I park the car? Am I going to get busted? And I got, oh, I got the condom now. Oh, what I What if I can't? OK, I got it on. Oh, I got the condom on. And now she's got to go to the bathroom. Oh, it's, oh, I only have two. What if I can't? And then the erection starts to go down. Oh, my God. First time fuck jitters are a thing. You don't need anything fucking with your erection before then. You just got to get it in the hole. That's the guy. Truthism. Nobody'll talk about that. They'll talk about sensation. And now they got guys doing the stealthing thing, where they take the condom off in the middle of sex. I usually call those guys dads, but never mind that. Now they're trying to talk about legal remedies too. I consented to sex with a condom. Did not consent it. So it's rape adjacent, which is you might want to laugh, but it. Ba- a, a woman who's an attorney who wrote a piece for me at Ozzy called. Uh, 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 her name is Nicole Economo. She wrote about how she had been raped in high school, and she wanted to make a further claim uh, based on her experiences on dating sites that if a guy lies on a dating site, he has removed consent from the equation, and therefore it should be prosecuted like any other crime, absent consent. Okay, I digress. The point is, it wasn't so much bullying that drove us here. It was the, the, the creepy and unsettling nature of unwanted attentions. But I remember being being terrified of bears, you know, typical kid concerns, werewolves, bears under the bed. And I, and I quickly combined with this thought of, of, you know, I'll get them back, was this idea that in order to be horrifying, you had to be more than horrifying the whole thing about looking into the abyss, and the abyss looks at you have to embrace the abyss. So now, flash forward, I'm in Jamaica, for the sum Jamaica, Queens, for the summer. There's this uh, big guy is terrorizing these kids. And I hate it. I hate the smell of fear. And I know it's an eventuality. You, you got to stop these guys. He goes, come on, anybody, wants the fight? What's the fight? I go, I'll fight you. And I wrestled this guy to the ground. I didn't know anything about wrestling at 9. Wrestle him to the ground, get mounted on his chest, and say, You give. The guy gave. I was like, I was like a, a king, Lori, the girl. This is on Watson Place in Jamaica, Queens. Lori, the girl of my dreams, at the age of nine, was there and I got to witness my act of daring do. So I saw that there was a social value to a pro-social value to framing my desire for vendetta. So this is how. This is how I, I I enter life, and in school, you know you have minor league occasions of of, of vendetta you know like uh, a guy named Forrest who uh, who I, I I broke his nose on the school bus uh, but Forrest had uh, he had uh, yanked my scarf and pulled me over the seat of the school bus and I hit my head on the wheel well and I told him, if you yank my scarf again. I'm going to punch you in the face. He yanked my scarf again. I fell over. I got up, and I punched him in the face, breaking his nose. I got called into school the next day, and because of being articulate, managed to explain it as it happened, and Forrest got in trouble. I did not so now there's social pressures and now that i'm also understanding there's the, 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 the social rewards but there also um there's also seems to be mitigating circumstance that that, that there seems to be a, a justifiable lane so keep in mind that these are all you know my response to what feels to be unjust, injustice is now being channeled in fairly pro-social ways versus negative reinforcement, and by which I mean very seriously if you want to read about a textbook case of a guy who probably could have been saved but was systematically turned into a psychopath. read, uh, Go to the wiki entry and read about Richard Ramirez, also known as a night stalker, his early life. Where, where I got lots of positive, he got lots of negative. So I, I, I'm proceeding through life through the very nice, expensive uh, uh, Park Slope a private school that I went to, the Montessori Academy, and I, without incident. But living, but living in the more, you know, uh, 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 a very nice neighborhood in Flatbush, called the Lefferts Garden section in the Flatbush. But it was still New York in the 70s. And you had street scuffles and so on. But these don't fall under the framework of vendetta. Vendetta is is, is a a wrong, a wrong, uh, let's see. For example, if, if a stranger runs up to you, knocks you on the head and takes your wallet and runs off and you later find out who that person is, you guys don't have a vendetta. No, the earmark of vendetta is a violated trust. And this is why they end up being the bloodiest, because they happen between people who had social connections to each other. People from the same neighborhood, other families, families in the, the clans, and then vendetta. So keep in mind, I, this is a very different thing. It rains on the just and the unjust alike. Understood. Bad shit happens to people. You'd be a lunatic if you're going to try to spend all your time. Look, it's like now. The wife goes, why don't we stop here and get gas? Because I can't. She says, what do you mean you can't? I go, I'm boycotting that place. Well, what do you mean you boycott it? Because I asked that guy if I could borrow his fucking oil filter wrench back in 1983, and he told me to get out. Fuck that guy. You know, that guy's probably dead now. I don't give a shit. Well, let's go to this other guest. I can't go there either. Guy was rude to me. When was he rude to you? 1987, when I first moved to that. I can't. I can't. So the instinct is there. You gotta understand. It, people think, "Oh, it's a, you just gotta change. It's gotta change. It's like changing my eye color." No, can do. They come from familiar, from from connections, and, and this is why they bite like they do. And so, in other words, I'm trying. I'm I'm pleading for my case here, and that there's a whole lot of negative shit that happens between human beings that you just let go. I understand the psychology of letting go. I got that. Oh you let it, go. oh you just let it go. But the ones that chafe my hide, the ones that really bite at me and or the true spirit of vendetta are those like Hitler said, three types of secrets. Those we share, those I keep from you, and those about future events is unknown. You know, vendetta comes from number 2. The ones we share. A relationship based on a certain type of blood trust that is violated with no expectation of recompense. That's the nature of vendetta. Now I'm going through, you know, I have friends, I have connections, something, you know, you go in, in, in. Eric Robinson was a friend. We were friendly for a bit. Then he started creeping me out with the. You know, I wanted to play house too much when I was eight. You know I mean? You don't have exercise. But I still had this idea in my mind. And I was still fighting on the street, occasional scuffles. And it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen in a full-blown form until I'm like 12 years old. And a couple of things happened then. One of the things that happened then... Was that I find? Well, not finally. I had my first girlfriend when I was like ten. She dumped me because I was boring. Imagine that. But then I had a a, my second girlfriend. I was trying to work it out. She has now, at this point, become semi-fame. Well, famous, semi-famous, nothing. Full-blown fame. Doesn't work a day job. See her on TV. Not going to mention her name. And so like I you know I'm 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 using the usually 12 year old Eugene game and I'm like making some some headway, you know. This cat fucking swoops on me. Swoops. It's 12 years old, but swoops on me. Now I'm, you know, doing the thing and the and the guy comes in and I'm like, hmm. Hmm. That's that's not right. David, his name was David Arnstein. These are old stories. David Arnstein, he he's my friend. He saw me stand there. He's actually probably heard me talking about her. So I wait in the bushes. (laughs) I wait in the bushes to have a conversation in private with David Arnstein. And I jump out and I grab him. Now, uh, I may have sat on his chest. I may not. Don't remember this. It's long enough ago that I don't remember. And I, I said, hey, I'd like to talk to you for a second. Placement is everything. I'm sitting on his chest. And I did this a couple of times, so I, excuse me if it's like the Henry portrait of a serial killer. I thought you said you stabbed her. Oh, yeah, that's right. Sometimes I get the, the details kind of hazy. But I remember sitting on his chest. I said, listen, I'd like to talk to you about something. He's yeah? Come on, get off me. I go, no, no. So said, in life, you discover that you have your shit And I have my shit. And if you keep your shit to you and I keep my shit to me, we'll never fight. But the second you try to take my shit, you try to take my shit, or I try to take your shit, then we are going to butt heads. Do you understand me? And he was like, yep. I go, oh, okay. Okay. All right, man, I'll see you later. And I went walking off toward my bunk and left him be. And what did David do after that? He left her alone. He didn't tell anybody, didn't tell her to try to salt, the wa- salt my game or the water, didn't get me in trouble with other counselors. And so now we have the, the troika, the triumvirate. I've got social support. I've got a predilection for it. And I've seen it pay rewards. Now, if you go to Ozzy.com, I have a whole series. The first time they tried to kill me, the second time they tried to kill me. If you count up the stories in which people tried to do me dirt, you know, these stories are pretty extensive. But there's one that I don't really go into to great, day, and I'm not going to repeat it here. But if you, there's Oxpo has a song off of, uh, uh, shit. I think it's off of, how can I forget this? King of the Jews, uh, or King of the Jews or Let Me Be a Woman, one of those two records. And the song is, uh, uh called Gal. And, uh, I'm pretty sure it's Let Me Be a Woman, actually. And, um, and so you you could read the lyric there. But uh, but that was a um Hold on, somebody's texting me. Um So hold on. So I'm sorry. People texting me. I'm positive. So so that was that was a reprisal one, and that doesn't fit. That doesn't fit. That doesn't fit in, in the scope of vendetta in my mind. It didn't grow over out of a relationship of trust. You know, it wasn't a random attack. This person was known to me, but it was in, in his mind. In the fullness of time, I realized it was a reprisal for something that I had done out of kilter, not paid back. Yes, different from Vendetta, but now for the first time, I understood Vendetta as blood sport. That's what I understood. So now, now, now we go into teenage years, high school, punk rock, disco, New York, the whole bit. And, and, uh, um, and, and, uh, and so now I've, and I've been lifting weights, I've gotten stronger, and, uh, um, and so now I got the last piece of the puzzle where I'm actually able to that point that I, as a, as a sub five-year-old, the three-year-old, you know, that, that point where I, I, um, where I figured when I get older, I'll be able to do this. That point had to come. And I'm not talking about 13, where I wrote another story about, uh, almost being raped down on the, on the low, uh, lower West side. But uh, I'm talking about now 15, where now I'm like doing bodybuilding shows, have gained a bunch of weight, have gotten actually really strong. Wrestling, taking fighting at the boys club, the whole bit. So you wouldn't know this. I'm a guy with a sunny disposition. I'm a guy with a sunny disposition. I'm not going to drag you through the 70s, 80s, 90s, but let's go to the one that I've written an article about for Ozzy, but uh, you know, maybe you guys are not regular readers for Ozzy, and explain to you why. Why you've already read the Jack Black thing? You Just go to ozzy.com and type in Jack Black, and you see that this. You see how vendetta works. And you wonder. People have wondered about the Anthony Kiedis event. I'm going to give you the short version here because we've got a lot of stuff to get to. Mostly the question and answer thing coming up soon, but. I get a call from Karen Spees, God rest her soul, and she says, "Would you like to play my birthday party?" Yep. You're playing uh, support for the Red Hot Chili Peppers. That's all right. I had, I tried to like them, couldn't really like the Red Hot Chili Peppers. They always kind of irked me. Uh, you know, the the flibbity dip dop and the bibbity dip dop dop. You know, um, you know, c- I just couldn't stand it. Good band. I hated the singer. Hollywood royalty kid, fucking never. Oh, he lived under a bridge. Yeah, right next to the Benz. Fuck off. Smoking weed with smoking weed with his dad when he was ten. Yeah, okay, I, you know, I, I was not into it, but you know, I tried. Everybody around me had good taste in music. Liked. I tried. As I will play the show. So during the show, somebody says, "Hey, you know, this couple wants to get married during your set. You don't mind, do you?" I don't fuck. I don't give a shit. Go ahead. And sure enough, halfway through, three quarters of the way through the set couple walks out, so we start playing the wedding march. They get fucking married on stage. Everybody's happy, cheering, and they leave. We go back to play the set. It's hard to have that kind of shit do your set, but we did it, and they cut the power. They say, stop playing. So we're in the last song. We're almost finished with the song. They cut the power. I flip out. The guitar player can't play, either the guitar players, we have two guitar players, bass player can't play, but the drummer can play. Club secure it, and the drummer just keeps playing. And I'm screaming. Because I got no mic. The bouncers try to get the, the drummer to stop, get him off the drums. Our road crew gets down to all guys who are members of the of the lads. If you don't know, that stands for LA Death Squad, a Punk Rock Gang. Um Hold on, sorry. Uh, sorry, 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 sorry. I this is work related. Um. So okay, so uh, they tried to our L.A. Death Squad guys are really punch the fuck, beat the bouncers up, knock them off the drum riser. Still playing. I'm screaming, flipping out. I look up in the balcony and I see Kiedis and Flea there, and I'm like, can, "Like, can you help with this?" And they just kind of look at me, like, "Like, whoa, what am I? We're only the headliners. We're only the big multi-million-dollar headliners." So, they, so somebody calls the cops and says the singer's lost his mind, has threatened the rest of the band, says that he will uh, 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 kill them if they if they stop playing. And so naturally I'm on stage, I'm on cloth um, and um, um, you, you know uh, it, it looks I mean I, I, it's hard to make a case for myself, right? So uh, they call the cops and the cops come to get this crazy uh, Negro off stage. And uh I see the cops coming down the aisle. And I'm like, you know what? Fuck that. It, it's time. So I start putting my clothes on. And by the time they get up to me, I'm perfectly sane again. And I'm like, uh, they say, you know, you're done. I go, OK. So I get off stage, go backstage, talk to these guys. And uh, I'm still steamed, like more than steamed. Um. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I'm I'm multitasking here now. So, but uh, you know, I don't want. I want them to understand that um, that I did what I did. Not you know, I just, I wanted some. I wanted something. I don't know what I wanted. I didn't want the high hand, which is kind of what I got. I sucked it up. You know, for a bad playing support. I then I you know whatever. Couple months later. I'm down on Sunset Boulevard going at K-Disc, where you get records mastered, about to have a record mastered. And who do I see driving toward me but Flea and his Mercedes-Benz with a Jimi Hendrix sticker on the back. And I say that just in case he happens to be listening and thinks I'm making this shit up, you know, or wants to get chippy and things are illegal. You, You did have that car. I saw you. So I wave like bygones, bygones, right? I mean, this is an anti-vendetta impulse. Let's just get over it. I wave, and he's like, oh, he's he's coming over. But instead of slowing down as he turns toward me, he speeds up. And I go, oh, it's like that. And I go, you know what? Fine. You want to kill me? Go ahead. And I refuse to move. I stand there. So now it's like a bullfighter. And he gets so... Close the, the 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 his 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 mirror in the back. It's just like almost knocks my cock off. And he pulls off, and I go, okay, all right. So now we're in Vendetta Land. Now we're in, ven- and you know, yeah. I mean, I, I know Rick Rubin. We got people who are in common. Got minor degrees of separation between me and those guys. these ladder-pulling fucking monkey pricks. Now, the degree of difficulty of a vendetta is also heightens the importance and significance of it. It's virtually impossible for me to complete this vendetta. But I know, I know that God smiles on those who wait. Case in point, a woman named Dawn was the editor-in-chief of Defense Computing magazine says, "Hey, I understand you publish a magazine called The Birth of Tragedy." So yes, I do. Yes, I do. And she goes, "I have a friend who has a magazine, and you know, you could trade. In those days, your mailing list was gold. These were people who had bought through the mail from you, who had sent cash or checks or money orders. They were, it, it was a hot every list was a hot list." I had 2,000 people on my list, which for a publication that published 10,000 copies, it's a big deal. She said, oh, talk about it. So I I write her friend a letter, and I mail it. This is before email even. Our email was very rudimentary then. Still DARPA-based, Defense uh, Advanced Research Products Agency, right? I send this guy my list. On her say so, personal connection. He writes me back and says, I'm sorry, I don't desire to trade your list, but thanks for asking. Not returning my list. He keeps my list. He keeps my list and he get, he takes my names and gives me no names. I'm steamed. I'm gonna get this guy back. I don't know how, I don't know why, but you understand it's like the Boy Scouts. It's like being prepared. <laughs> And suddenly, I'm sitting at my desk at Intel, and I get a bunch of resumes of people who want to work at Intel. And what do I see? (laughs) I see this guy's resume there. (laughs) Uh, Like a friend once told me. God really loves you, because he delivered my enemy unto my hand. And I, I looked at this for a long time. I was like, what do I do? What do I do? And I wrote back and I said, thank you for your resume. It's, it, 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 it is something you should be proud of. And under normal circumstances, it's, it, it's a resume. You would be an immediate hire here. However, these circumstances are far from normal. You took my mailing list eight years ago and you didn't return your mailing list, fundamentally robbing me of a mailing list. If your heart were on fire, I would not cross the street to piss on it. But thanks for writing. Good luck in your future ventures. Best regards, Eugene Robinson." That was perfect. That was Sicilian. Like my friend's Uncle Carmine, who's been left he goes from Syracuse who's been left by two women who left him the same way. At a certain point, they both declared they were lesbians. They took his house and his children and ran off. He goes, he lives in the basement of a police station now with 19, 20-year-old recruits. He sleeps on a cot, and he'll grab you by the arm and look deeply into your eyes and tell you, as impassioned as possible, my most ardent hope. There's a causeway that gets a bridge that comes over to, to where they are. Not from Palermo, I can't remember the exact geography. He goes, my most ardent wish is that those bitches crash into each other head on and die in a flaming wreck. Now, of course, he's in no position to make this happen. But were it to happen, he would understand that his prayers and his thoughts had been rewarded because his enemy had been delivered unto his hand. So I gave you the bare bones of the Anthony Kiedis thing. The article is coming up. I flesh it out in the article. But because it's Ozzy, I don't really go into all it. Like the Eskimo Brotherhood issue of the woman who asked us to kind of play the thing in the first place. And then I didn't get into that. But that's two stories with Jack Black and Kiedis where that was a functioning item. You don't think that's significant? Go back to what War Machine said right when he got put in prison and you tell me if that's not significant. And you know the letter I'm talking about. Anyway, all right. So we got a a, a very little time left because I blabbed on. This is not full-blown Vendetta. Remember, it's three parts. I'm going to give you major touchstones because I'm not going to ruin the memoir. I gave you Arnstein. I gave you ketis, and I gave you the causes belli to start out with. The nature portion of how it is we got here. That's three. That's enough for part one. Now is a question and answer session. You can, if at Eugene S. Robinson on Twitter, you can uh, email me questions, and I've got one here. I get too many, though. Jesus Christ, I'm sweating like a pig. Um I got too many emails through through Twitter. So the question I can't uh okay. This is old. Did Korean zombie win and losing? I had him winning until a knockout. He did Korean zombie did not win by losing that last fight of a couple of weeks ago. Um he 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 lost by losing. Yeah. He he may have been winning until knockout, I agree, but that knockout was done dun 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 Okay, well, here's a question. What year was that uh, Red Hot Chili Pepper incident, and was that with Oxbow? No, it was with Whipping Boy, and it was with Whipping, the, the latter generation Whipping Boy, so two guitar players, uh, Oxbow's Nico Wenner was on guitar, Bart Thurber, who runs... Uh, House of Faith Studio uh, up in Oakland now, used to be in Palo Alto for a long time, was on uh, on rhythm guitar. Ron Issa, who was in Grim Reality, and then that band Blast, uh, was on bass, and Steve Shaughnessy was on drums. And this had to be, uh, it had to be before Leonard Part 6. So I would say 1986. 85, 85 or 86. Um, so it was with whipping boy. Here we go. Vendetta and the vendettas are frequently daisy chained. The reason why technically I don't say whipping boy was, I say whipping boy is because an Irish band called whipping boy got signed to a big record label and started making some noise. The first thing they did was have a friend at big cat records contact me and say, Hey, are you still using the name whipping boy? I was like, yeah. Yeah. You better change it. Why don't you change it to, Whip, to Whipping Boy UK? And they're like, we're not British. You know what? You Take your fucking politics and jam up your ass. I don't care. Change your name. So they don't do anything. I don't hear from them. Next thing I know, people are like, I heard you guys on the radio. Heard, oh, shit, there's a resurgence. Well, I get one of the records. I call the legal department. I get a hold of a guy. Say, hey, listen, you gotta change your name. And the guy goes, look, look, what do you, what do you, what do you, what do you, want? what do you want? how about I give you two hundred bucks? And the- oh, oh, I see, I see. You think I'm fucking a stupid drug-addled punk rocker who doesn't? I said two hundred dollars. Is that what it would cost you if I put this temp, if I drop this temporary restraining order in the mail, and you have to pull every single copy from every single store? all over america you think it cost about 200 bucks right he goes okay 2000 i go you know maybe i should just hang up and have you talk to my lawyer ended up getting twenty-two thousand dollars out of sony it ruined the band not whipping boy the irish band all right? grandfather claws in the stuff they already put out which was to solely to protect the label but then said there would be treble damages if they trammeled my copyright going into the future. So a few years go by, a few years go by, and uh, nothing. Then I hear they're releasing some retrospective because the band is kind of broken up. And I fucking start writing them. And they're like, why don't you leave us alone? They write back this kind of plaintive. And I go, hey, do you think the Rolling Stones would leave you alone if you named your band Rolling Stone? You didn't even do that. You didn't even have the decency to call yourself the Whipping Boys. You called it Whipping Boy. It's a direct fucking rip. And so I said, I'm gonna fucking sue you again. And so they pulled it, you know. Then Oxbow is playing Waylands in Dublin. Some guy's having a drink, sidles up next to me and says, and ends up he's friends with those guys. He's like, you know, you pretty, you ruined the band. It just, I go, you know what? Their refusal to change the name. Is what ruined that band. You know, they're hiring a fucking insensitive dumbass who's gonna treat me like I'm some gutter punk, uh, what wh- ruin the band. I did not ruin that band. So all this stuff is daisy chained together. <laughs> based on based on somebody who asked the question. Okay, so uh what do you what do you do with Curtis Blades? He lost the only way he could yeah. There, a, a good, this is a good segue in the last 15 minutes to actually go into the fight. Um, <laughs> hold on. If you thought that he goes, uh, Paul P, I don't know if he wants his last name on the air. He says, what do you do with Curtis Blades? He lost the only way he could lose to Francis. I thought he would get the title shot after John if he kept winning. Are you are you out of your mind? Are you out of your mind? You know, you know listen, <laughs> listen, Blades, that wasn't going to happen. As wonderful as Mr. Wonderful was, he smelled like never going to happen to me. And then he eventually figured this out and did what? Went to Bellator. Because if I'm not going to make it happen, I might as well get paid for not making it happen. Blades was a distinct, distinctly du- He was not no Larry Holmes. Francis functioned under pressure. It they couldn't have given him. They couldn't have given him a better platter and a better duck on the platter. A guy he had beat before. All of the, all of the, all of the ducks in his head should have been in a row, and they were. I picked him to win, besting Johnny Johnny Nash from the care. He they, they, they was did the care don't care preview. Blades, I think, was he's just a guy who was there. You know, you gotta have journeymen. You know, uh, and I mean, you know, and heavyweight needs some. I mean, this was this was less about him, and, and that's the best part. This was less about him and more than Fran, more about Francis. So, in other words, I think he stays where he is. He's not looking down at that number that says 9,368,000 and 2. He's not doing that. He's still about 10. I'm going to have to shoot who's ever out there. If I see a face at the window, I will shoot that face. So, uh, so, so, Blades, uh, this was all about seeing if Francis still had what Francis had. And largely, it was sort of writ large kind of Overeem. You should beat this guy, buddy. You should beat him. And Overeem does, who I picked against John's best interest. And I picked Francis Ngannou. This was less about Blades and, and much more about Francis. Blades hasn't changed, but Blades is not challenging anybody for a belt. In if you like last week's show uh, on V40, we talked about uh, a micro and macro. Blades, Blades is a micro player. You know, you the OOPC is thinking about the year in aggregate. You think about the year in aggregate, how many big cards do you have to have? Five. You don't think they know this? You don't think the CFO or the, has figured this out? So look, we have to have five big. There's some. I don't know it. I don't know it, but I guarantee you somebody knows it. So we have five fights, and if the other fights lose, mm, if they're 20% off the money, we're still okay. Macro. Blades is a micro fighter. Heavyweight, you got of mix and match, you know. Why do you put him here? He did what he was supposed to do. Buoy a guy who had a marquee value but stumbled. And if you're Stipe Miocic at this point now, you start talking about, I understand that Francis got a, got a little spooked his head. I'm willing to give it. Forget about fucking fighting D.C. right now. That's out. That's not happening for you if you're Stipe. Rematch. A dangerous fight for Francis because he could clam up again like the frog on Bugs Bunny. Never know. But he's given as much of a hand as he's likely to get. What other questions we got here? Here, here, I got two. Uh, Hold on. Uh, If you pray, okay, if you pray to God and ask him to give you some level of justice for a wrong someone did to you and your wish comes true, should you make going to church part of your plans for the immediate future? Look, 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 look. You know, in ancient Greek, the word church, I believe, comes from like Kyriakos, I'm not so strong in the Greek. Even though I I I choked a Greek out on Saturday. He was like, Ah, I'm from Greece. I was like, really? Agapopole. That's the only Greek I know, which means I love you. He was kinda like, Okay, bro. <laughs> okay. So so Kyriakos, which were those who were called out. You know, they walk through the town screaming, come out, and if you want to come out, you want to talk about the the divine, that's fine. All you had to do was have a desire to talk. The Christian benefit of fellowship. But the church right now? No, 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 no. It's like, you know, there are lots of reasons you might go to a whorehouse, but romance is not one of them. If you go to a whorehouse for romance, you are confused about the process at hand. So if you're going to church with some real expectation of having a discussion about the nature of divinity and and, and and you know divine philosophies, man, those guys are just trying to stay one step ahead of the law. They got other fish to fry, so to speak, fisher of men. So you know, I, I, I mean, my my level of religiosity, um, you know, I, I have to assume. I, you know, I'm healthily agnostic. I just don't know. I just don't know. But I like Pascal's wager, so I'm willing to go that way. But also, my my attitude is like, the right thing happens because the right thing needs to happen. Like I used in the t- in the header. And in the end, you just may see that what you receive is what you gave to me. To me. So is that going to get me into a church? No, because whatever happened between me and the fates and the long, fat, yellow eternity cream, as Jack Kerouac calls it, happened outside the four walls of that church. My relationship is much more I- immediate than something that I'm going to get sitting in a pew with a guy who probably just justifiably be arrested. A buddy of mine he's going to Catholic school, a priest there sidles up to him and goes, hey, you look you. it's like you're getting in pretty good shape. We should work out together sometime. Why don't you meet me? We'll go to the gym. We'll work out at my place. I've got some weights there. He goes, okay. He's 14. He's packing his gym bag at home. His mother goes, where are you going? He says, I'm going to go work out at Father Flannery's house. I said, okay, I'll, I'll give you a ride over there. Gets her a ride to the parking lot. She goes, wait here for a second. And she gets out and she walks over to the priest's car and reams him. He drives off. My buddy said, never saw the priest again. I go, yeah, that didn't really help, man. He just went to another parish. But nothing, nothing, nothing there. Um, Let's see. uh. Blah, blah, blah. Uh okay. No, nah, yeah, the guy who knows he's getting his book. Brian, yep, it is. Uh if if UFC is my wife, Bellator is my girlfriend, and Ryzen is my out-of-town side piece. <laughs> golden boy, golden boy MMA is a lady outside 7-Eleven that will give you a blowjob for a pack of cigarettes and a slurpee. <laughs> Ah uh, this is actually not a question. Somebody just said to me under the name of hits hits it out of the park. Uh but there's a bunch here. I think at this point, Chuck Liddell versus John Jones is a great even matchup. Yeah, I tagged the right Joe for this, this tweet. <laughs> oh man. All right. So the two fights I cared about on the card we've talked about. We have eight minutes left. So let's talk about because I gave, I believe in full-blown fashion that I gave birth to this fight. Back when I started talking about MMARP, Mixed Martial Arts Association for Retired People, and the Silver Jew believed that these guys could stay just as potent in their decline, in their dotage, just in a different... And then I realized the words of Leopoldo Serrao echoing in my head, MMA is stupid. Because if you're an old guy in golf, you're an old guy who golfs. But if you're an old guy who used to wrestle, you're an ex wrestler. Mark Coleman is not hitting bags somewhere. Mark Coleman is just trying to get out of bed and get to the toilet before he pisses down his leg. Jiu jitsu guys, plenty of olden. Ed O'Neill, olden. Not young and olden. Brazilian jiu-jitsu makes a lot more sense. When I get to black belt in six years, first thing I'm going to do is go back to boxing. Still keep the jiu-jitsu, just mix in the boxing. However, Chuck, eight years out, I picked him because I never picked him in his prime. I never, ever successfully picked Chuck. Always thought he would lose. I go, I got it. On the outside chance, he actually pulls this off. I want to be on the right side of history just one time. Just one time. Was I? Nah, I got gifted right out of my fucking picted. Um, uh, hold on. Sorry. Uh, sorry. i sorry. I got. I got to do this. This is work, man. I got. I got to eat. Uh, okay. So, all right. So I, I said. I said that. So um, you know, I don't know what he was thinking. I. I. I really don't. You know. I don't know. I guess maybe the bald one said you'll. You'll never have to. You'll have a job for life, and then he doesn't have a job for life, and then the money on shoes, got, you know, got, um, uh, hold on, hold on. Um, all right. And money, I don't know. I I don't know what happened. I, I I don't know why he took this fight. I thought the video that was kayfabe of him hitting the bags where he looked like slop. I thought that that was like just trying to lull Tito into a false sense of accomplishment. Mm -hmm. But this is a prime example (laughs) I mean, you know, Tito's made a little bit more money, more money managing people, kept in the ring, kept in the cage, probably still trains for fun. Chuck looked bad on the video, was bad in the cage, should never be there again. And then said the mistiest fucking shit of all time about not having made up his mind about his future career. Bro, your mind is made up about your future career. You just don't know it because you've been knocked away from it, most significantly by Tito. You know, I had to face this fact myself, and I just had to face it two weeks ago. You know, i goofing off with my kids. is dinner time, and, and I lock up with, with my youngest, Lola, who's 16. But Lola wrestles. They'll run three miles, and after the three miles, they'll run stadium stairs with a, with a teammate on the back, and then they'll wrestle for an hour and a half. I can't do that. And I lock up with Lola in the kitchen, like, come on, kid. we're gonna. Re-. And she grabs me, and I can feel the strength. It's like Black Flag song. I touch my knife. I feel the power. <laughs> I look in the mirror, and I want to destroy her. Yeah, those guys didn't have any problems with women, eh? We lock up, and she's like strong. I go, oh, whoa, kid. Hey, let go of your old pops here. Somebody's going to get hurt, and I think it's going to be me. And I'm not talking about feelings. So she kind of lets me go. And I had to think, this is how it happens. This is how it happens. You know, my my fucking Waterloo in Santa Cruz, where they bumped me up a weight class at, at Blue Belt and then dumped me down a couple of age groupings, and I went against a guy who was 22 and a guy who was 19, that should have told me everything that I needed to know. But you don't see it coming. And it's the punches you don't see coming that hurt the fucking most. Because in your head, and I've heard old people say this, you go to the mirror and you're like, oh, shit, who is that? But Chuck had to go to the mirror. He had to go to the gym. He had to stand out of the box. He had to do some road work. He had many occasions to say, who the fuck is that? Because whoever that is, it's not somebody who should be in the cage. You hate to have done something that made the bald one look prescient. That made the bald one look right. But you shouldn't have been in there. You should not have been in there. No way should you have been in there. That fight never should have happened. And I don't want to see another one happen. Tito cleverly said, you know what? Uh I'm done. He took a real good look. He took a real good look at his face and said, I'm done. Outside of having to pay Jenna Jameson, whatever he's got to pay her, He's probably got enough to kind of float. Buddy of mine happened to ride in a car with uh, a really interesting story. It was in New York. Was in a in a car with this woman who is a big financial muckamuck in New York. And she talked about how she got a letter from uh, Donald Trump's father, and the father said, "Do not lend my son any more money, and do not, and please." Uh, do not let him write any notes on my stuff because I don't want to go down with him. He's got nothing. This is Donald Trump's father who told her this. And then, right after that, what happened? The TV show, The Apprentice. That's how recently he was insolvent. <laughs> then his own father was like, Not good money after bad, bro. Not good money after bad. But I digress. We learned a couple of things, or not we, Oscar De La Hoya. It's harder than it looks. If you want a feather feather and IV black, black feather in the cap versus a black eye thing, you know what that is. Let me tell you what that is. Feather in the cap goes to the bald one. Black eye, I'm going to have to give that to, to Oscar De La Hoya. Just stop it. You thought it was going to be easy. This is sub-level three, right? After Bellator. UFC China, the fights that I that watched in the card weren't bad. There were a lot of don't cares, but they weren't bad. You understand? I'm thinking micro. They're thinking macro they're thinking the Asia market. I don't give a shit whether we like it or not. How many big fights do you have to have in a year to have a successful year? Who cares? And this is the thing about Vendetta. Vendetta what confuses people about Vendetta is it confused the micro and the macro. That guy stepped on my foot. I'm going to fuck his shit up. That's micro. Oh, yeah, that guy ran off with my girlfriend. I'm going to get him. No, <laughs> That's micro. The reason why it chafes so badly with fucking Anthony Kiedis is because he's got me macro. Some guy who did some shit to me when I'm 16 and who's, you know, living in New Jersey, working as a fucking office temp. Man, that guy, that guy, (laughs) life is even the score. Guys playing the Super Bowl, getting a million dollars. That's macro. I got to even the fucking count. Anyway, this is the first edition. It was kind of rambly, the vendetta, but I can't. It's not Marcel Proust. It's not remembrance of things past. I'm not going to give you a year-by-year vendetta breakdown. We're just going to go through the various touchstones. And, of course, in a very Sicilian way, the real fucking vendettas. I cannot err on the show because that, that's me surrendering, and I'm not willing to do that. If I got your name on that fucking list, you're not going to know your name is on that list. I'm not letting you go. I can only talk about the, it's like it's like the flu virus. I can only talk about ones that have been denatured. If they haven't been denatured, I can't talk about them. Because I'm still focusing my energies. Sorry. Those are the juiciest and the best ones. But I have plenty that are resolved. And I even have, for those more lurid adventures, I have those resolved via penis. So there's those two. That are fun to talk about and good for the cheap seats. Anyway, this is V41 of the Eugene S. Robinson Show Stomper. I'm your host, Eugene S. Robinson. Go to patreon.com/slash the Stomper. Give us some holiday love. The guy who I'm supposed to call because he gave a $10 amount. I will call you sometime this week. Have no fear. I've said I'm going to do it. I've done it. The guy who ordered the book, you should get the book by Wednesday at the latest. That's fine. The guy who ordered the records, I'm still tracking down the other two. I'll get them from my kid's place tomorrow night. That's all the housekeeping at Eugene S. Robinson. Get, that's the only way you can ask questions during the question and answer session. And also that gets me closest to uh, 5000 so that I get 25% of my raise, which is what I'm looking forward To anybody, yeah, here you go. Is Tito or Chuck in the Lost Battalion or nah? I can't remember what the other group is. I know there's another one. P.S., you know Flea isn't listening. I don't know that. I don't know that. Anyway, Tito or Tito's out. He knew exactly where he was. This was for the people and the cash, you know, and also maybe to try to do what DC is trying to do with John. You know, two to one's not bad. Two to one I can live with. Two to zero, that sucks. Guy's getting all of his ducks in a row for his future dotage. So Tito's fine. What Chuck is thinking about, I don't know. Is he lost Battalion? Man, I... (laughs) Like, if I start talking about competing in the Mr. Olympia, people say, Eugene's Lost Battalion. No, 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 crazy talk doesn't get you in the Lost Battalion. You're just crazy. It's crazy. And you say, oh, Eugene, is he Major Tom? No, we remember who he is. Is he Dark Star? No, we we he's still a star in the firmament. Is he Event Horizons? No, because there's no other fights for him. Is he Phantom Tobuth? No, he's not Phantom Tobuth. He has no number, no sheet. He's just a dreamer, man with a dream. It's just sad to see that man with a dream be Chuck Liddell. MWD, man with a dream. Mwad. Uh. <laughs> P.S. You know Flea isn't listening, and 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 I don't know that. I don't know that, and I think we have one more. Here, uh, doesn't like to f- uh doesn't like to fight, Brazilians, Rockwell doesn't deserve it, because of, you know, Weidman Lo- this is kind of uh, a tone poem, um, The Um people talking about the Anderson Silva, Israel, Do- that's going to be a sad fight, that's going to be a sad fight, not an exciting fight, M-M-A-R-P, I proposed it. But I proposed it thinking about guys like Vladimir Matashenko or guys like Tito or guys like Fedor or guys who are aging well. I didn't didn't see the Chuck thing. That wasn't the future I was imagining. Anyway, that's the end of the show at Eugene S. Robinson on Twitter to join up. Uh, UG, uh, Mr. Sleep three via uh, uh Instagram. You got to. That's still velvet roped. You got to. I got to look inside your world before I let you in. Tuesday night, if I did it, followed by if the shoes fit immediately. It's the end of the show. See you soon. Look what you baby